You are listening to the 12 Stone Podcast. For more information on our eight locations or service times, please visit 12stone.com. Now enjoy Pastor Kevin Myers as he delivers Vision 2021, God's Next in New, Part 3. So welcome to 12 Stone across the campuses and online. I am so glad you joined today. You picked a great day to be at 12 Stone because we are in part three of the next and the new that God is doing among us. And this whole next and new could be called the Vision 2021 because over the next two years, God's going to set something in us, kind of a vision launch that will transform us for the next five years and years to come. And he's refining our why and our what and our how. Remember, in part one, we talked about our why and how God marked us. You'll go back and listen to that teaching if you missed it, or you might remember, simply profound, our why is because of Jesus. Our why, everybody, is what? Because of Jesus. One more time, Cross Camp says, our why is what? Because of Jesus. Yeah, go get, go, man, if you missed that, go get in on that. And, and then to part two, when we sat in Isaiah chapter 61, at the core of God's calling on this church, and in that there's this picture that, that, that we are oaks of righteousness, a planting for the Lord's splendor. So I put this tree image uh, uh, in front of you, reminded you that carved into the trunk is because of Jesus, our why, and that, that the things God wants to do in these next coming years is to transform families, transform souls, and transform communities. You say, well, now what are we going to go do over, over the next couple of years that will impact the next five? Transform families, transform souls, transform communities. And, and, and underneath all this, it's all rooted in prayer. And, and so we talked about families. You might remember, we, we unpacked a little bit in part two, uh, uh, that that. We recognize that in our country, and families have great challenges, great stresses, and, and for God to really bring about the strength of his kingdom, there, there's going to have to be transformation of families, and God does that. Aren't you grateful that he does? And, and there's some things we're going to do together. One of them definitely is just double down on re-engage, which is really transforming marriages. And, 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 and one of them is next generation student ministry and, and a format that's, 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 that's family-like and what it means to, to help raise up this Generation Z, and that's, it's going to be revolutionary. And, and things like there are at least 20 lanes for special needs, but that God's putting it on us to pick one of those lanes and to invest heavily and that that's all coming these are pieces of transforming families we're going to go after that but but now we're into part three and we're going to talk today about transforming souls and transforming communities and Jesus gave us two staggering statements that if the size, the depth, and the breadth of this could, could, could resonate in our soul, it, it's, it's its own awakening. The first one, it comes from John chapter 8, verse 12. I am the light of the world. This is what Jesus said. I am the light. Say it with me. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Oh, my. In other words, if you're taking notes, here's the first statement. I am the light of the world. Now, when Jesus said that, the Jews listening to him should have had their minds go right back to the prophet Isaiah, who said that when the Messiah comes, he will be a light for the nations, and remember, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. I am the light. I'm not a light. I'm not like just one of many flashlights that put a little bit of light in the midst of darkness. Jesus says, I am the light. There is no other light. There's only one light. And that light is Jesus. I am the light of the world. Which means this. If you don't have Jesus, you're in darkness. Come on now, church. The weight of this has to get clear in our soul. If you don't have Jesus, you're in darkness. I mean, have you ever been in a dark place? I mean, just, like, have you ever been in real darkness? But I'll, I'll illustrate. 
Our family has gone to Dahlonega a number of times, but probably on three or four occasions, we have gone to the Consolidated Mine, right next to the Walmart. Any of you ever done this as a, as a family individual? Okay, so it's really quite cool. And, and, and it's a real mine. It started like in 1875. And, and so you go down in this mine, and, and, and travel along. I'm a little claustrophobic, so it messes with me just a little bit. And then you get in these crevices, you get down in there, and, and, and you get to this one place. And then the guide says, now there's lights all along the way. And the guide says, okay, now everybody just hold hands. Don't move. I don't want you to do anything. Just stand there because I'm going to turn off the lights. And he flicks off the light. Let's, let's just do that, okay? Let's just go, just go with me on this, okay, everybody? Okay, he flicks off the light. So let's put darkness right here in the room, and, and, and I, I, I want you to get a feel for this. So, so he flicks off the light, and then he gives us a little bit of his. And when he does this, I can't, like I put my hand in front of my face, I can't see it. It's weirding me out. I, to be honest with you, it's creeping me out. I want to run, but there's nowhere to go. I can't see anything. I grab my kids a little bit tighter. And, and, and then he lights a lighter. And he tells us a little bit of history. And then he says what it had to be like if you were a miner. And what happens when the light goes out. And that when the light goes out, they're taught to stay right where they are. Because someone with light will come find you if you're in the darkness. Otherwise, there's no way out. Church, I want to say something here. Listen, people with light go find the people who are in darkness. Come on now. You get that? You get that? Go ahead, put the lights up. You, I, I, want you to, I just want you to sit in that for a moment. See, what Jesus was saying is that the world is living in darkness. Come on now, the world's living in darkness. They don't believe they are, but their mind is in darkness, their values are in darkness, their morals are in darkness. They don't think this is true. They think they're in the light. They, they, so it's all okay. They don't know why the world's breaking down around them. They don't know that from heaven's view, from the kingdom of God, we're all living in, we're living in darkness apart from Jesus. So marriages are living in darkness. The people working alongside you are in darkness. The way we manage money, in darkness. Neighbors. Friends at school, people at the park. I mean, without Jesus, they're in darkness. And Jesus is the light. But that scripture in John 8 goes further. He says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have. Say that word, everybody. But will what? Have the light of life. In other words, Jesus is the light. But when you follow Jesus, then Jesus indwells you, and now you have the light in you. Stay with me. He was more dramatic than that, more direct. Look at Matthew chapter 5. Now you have context. So, so after Jesus says that I am the light, look at Matthew chapter 5. You are the light of the world. Is this starting to catch on? It's like, oh my, you get it. See, now you, say it with me, what? You are the light of the world. And he goes on, a town built on a hill cannot be hidden, neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds. I mean, you're going to serve. Let me see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. See, the second of the two staggering statements, the first is Jesus said, I'm the light of the world. Then he says, you are the light of the world. As you jot that down in your notes, I, I wrote some things down. Here, here, here's what I mean. As we love others, just let me read. As we love others and value others, kind of like you matter to me, you matter to God, then the world sees the light of Jesus and they're drawn to it. As we give generously to those in need, people see the light of Jesus and they're drawn to it. As we serve those around us, the world sees the light of Jesus and are drawn. As we refrain from anger and lust and lies and the like, the world sees the light of Jesus. As we step up during a crisis, the world sees the light of Jesus. As we build healthy marriages, families, and relationships, 
relationships. The world sees the light of Jesus. They're drawn to it. As we feed the hungry, clothe the naked, love the stranger, we show this dark world the light of God through Jesus, and they're drawn to it. As we witness for Jesus, we shift our priorities. We shift our time. We invest our dollars to help bring people to Jesus at all costs, and we are his light in a world that's in darkness. In other words, men and women, live like you're the light. Come on now, tell your neighbor, tell your neighbor, yeah, yeah, we should. Tell your neighbor, live like you're the light. Right now, across all the campuses, even if you're online, tell the person next to you, live like you're the light. Go ahead, do it. Live like you're the light. See that? Live like you're the light. Come on now. Jesus transforms you when he brings the light in you. But listen, but then he uses the light in you to transform others. Now, I want to give you two pictures. I want to give you two pictures. Here's the first one. Over Easter, our family went to Marlowe's Restaurant. Out of curiosity, how many of you have gone out to eat any time in the last couple of months? Just hands up across campuses. Oh, good, you'd like to go out too. <laughs> now, we like several restaurants. Marlowe's is one of them. And here's what we love. We get to be served. Oh, my I mean, we just show up, and they seat us. Somebody walks up, may I serve you? Yes, you may. And we love being served. What would you like to drink? I don't even get up and get anything. They just bring it to me. What would you like to eat? I tell them, I'd like that. I don't cook it. Somebody cooks it for me, brings it, they bring it to me. Put it on the table. If I don't like something, I'm like, can we adjust that? The waitress says, absolutely. My drink gets empty. She fills it. We get done, put on a little tip. We don't even clean up after ourselves. We just walk out, leave the mess. We love being served. I'm telling you, that, that, that's why we like restaurants. I mean, it's, it's, it's awesome. Everybody got picture number one? This is uh-huh. Everybody got picture number one? Now we're going to go to picture number two. We had Easter dinner together as a family, home-cooked meal, in our house, kids, grandkids, and everyone served. And what? Everyone served. In fact, some hands cooked the meal, some hands set the table, some hands got the drinks and set it up for everybody, some hands... Got the grandchildren set up. Glory, hallelujah, praise Jesus for grandchildren. <laughs> we enjoyed the meal together. Every once in a while, somebody had to get up and get something for others. When we got done without requiring it, without demanding it or giving commands, everybody served. Some picked up the dishes, took them into the kitchen. Some cleaned up the table, but we all got involved. Some took out the trash. Some did the dishes and put them back. In other words, we all served. In fact, when we all got done serving and cleaning up, we sat down in the living room fat and happy. Because <laughs> that's what family does. See, we were all well served because everybody served well. You got the second picture? Uh-huh. You ready? Here's the point. Some people have never figured out the church because they think it's a restaurant. And they think the best thing in life is if you get served. And so, so, they, so they play it out that way. But the church is designed to be a family. And the best thing in life was when you're part of family and everybody serves, because that will transform your life. That's who the church is designed to be. When Jesus said, I am the light, and you are the light of the world, it means Jesus came not to be served, but to serve, and you join Jesus, and God transforms you, and while he's transforming you, he uses you to transform others. That's who the church is created to be, and I feel like saying, can I get an amen? I'm just in the mood, because it feels like we should get a little amen with that. I know, I feel like I'm preaching, but listen, that's what he's saying to us. See, the size of the vision God has for us next and new is that we all understand we're family. He's the light. Because he's the light in us, we are the light. So I'm gonna ask Jason and Miles to come on out like we did at part two. 
and help me as together we talk about how, how does God transform souls? How does God transform communities? If we know our why is because of Jesus and our what is to transform families, transform souls, transform communities, how does this transform souls and transform communities thing come together? So I got my, my brothers here with me. Everybody say, hey, Jason. Hey, Miles. Yeah, guys, this is, this is just such fun. Let, let, let's talk about it. Let, let's, 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 let's get into this. Talk about transforming souls. And, and, and we've, already, we've already heard a story of, of celebration at your particular campus. Your campus pastor stepped up, and, and, and they've told stories of people, of people coming to Jesus. But in other words, when someone comes to faith in Jesus, when they go from darkness to, to light. When they go from death to life, that is God transforming a soul. And we should just re-celebrate again, because I'm nearly 500 people, 485 people came to faith. God's transforming souls. That's great fun this past Easter. That's awesome. So, so let, let's, let's, uh, let's unpack it and get into some of the detail. Yeah, let me jump in, because Kevin, you said something a couple weeks back that uh, I actually want to read, because it was so good, oh, what you said. So you're a friend. Um, oh, good. You right? took notes. I did. Uh, this is what you said. You said, our worldly culture leads people into purposeless and meaningless lives far from God. And the church is here to lead people from darkness to light. And we're convinced we have a distinct anointing and ordained calling to rescue souls. Mm -hmm. And this can no longer be something only pastors do during weekend services, right? Yep, yep. God has called and empowered every person to be a witness, we envision a big, hairy, audacious prayer. Everyone can help someone come to faith in Jesus. Everyone, including you, all of us, can yeah. help someone yeah. come to faith in Jesus. That's a big prayer. Yeah, and God's been doing some of that. J Jason, you, we had this conversation. Yeah. Catch us up on what God's doing with our browsing. Yeah, well, first of all, I, I had a chance to have a conversation with Dan Vanderwall, our browsing campus pastor, before I mowed the lawn Are and you okay? did a bunch yeah. of yard work. I, I, so I, lots of hours outside, the pollen will come and get you pretty good. And that's so, what that is? Yes. You, is this real or are you faking it? I, I'm just I'm, I don't know why I would fake sounding like this because it's terrible. Well, I, I, okay, I, I know why you would. Be, because now what you get to say to your wife is, I can't do my job and do the lawn. So from here Amen. forward, somebody else is going to have to do the lawn. Oh, I am freed up in the name of Jesus. Wisdom. So, smart. Wisdom from my elder. Well, that's what age here. does. Age gives understanding. You have lots of age. That's, that's correct. Um, <clears throat> you so, know, hey, guys. Yeah, listen, I know. I know. But you know what? I call you this in private, but now I'm going to do it in public. I call you a punk. He's a punk. And that was a punk statement. But anyhow, move on. God yeah, bless let's, you. Uh, let's yeah, let's back, we back get to, to this. We're I know talking we're about souls. And soul, my soul it. matters as well. So <laughs> anyway, back to the point. Uh, God's sort of sparking something really cool in this lane of souls at the Brazilian campus. And so yeah, I wanted to spend a couple minutes with Dan and confirm some of these stories that are happening. So check this out. All right, 12 Stone, we're talking about souls right now. And I'm here with the world's tallest Come campus on, pastor, Dan Vanderwall, our Brazilian always campus pastor. Always a tall pastor. joke to That's start. Welcome to joke. the rest of your life. Uh, Dan, the reason we're talking to you, bro, is there's some really cool stories coming out of Brazelton sort of connected to souls. So yeah. catch us up. What's going on up there, dude? You know, God's just really moving in this idea that everyone can help someone know who Jesus is and mm -hmm. find Jesus. And we've seen this in our student ministry. We've been able to share just a bunch of stories mm -hmm. over the last couple months of students leading their friends to Christ. The most recent yeah. one was actually uh, one of our students, Chelsea, led her friend Michelle to Christ in the women's bathroom which is at her high school, her high school kind, of a, kind, of weird, kind of a crazy but thing. Awesome. But then Chelsea got to baptize Michelle a couple yeah. weeks back, powerful moment. And we actually showed that video two weeks ago, mm -hmm. you remember that? Yep. I think it's, it's too powerful not to show again. You guys, if you, did, if you missed it, you gotta see this story and see this baptism, check it out. I wanna introduce you to Chelsea. Chelsea is that friend that led her friend to Christ in the bathroom at her high school. And the beauty of that moment is because Jesus did something in Chelsea's life, it affected her so deeply she had to share her faith. And this baptism is a testimony of that. So I'm gonna pass the mic over to Chelsea. Chelsea, it's all you. Thanks, okay. Hey guys, I am incredibly proud of Michelle and I'm so thankful to be a tiny, tiny, tiny part of a massive thing that God's doing. 
You never know how much your story could impact somebody else. And it's just insane to watch Michelle's story impact others. And I am so thankful to be your friend. I'm so proud of you and how much you've grown. And Michelle, I love you. And I'm so thankful for you. And so with all that, I have two questions for you. Michelle, have you trusted Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins? Yes. And do you commit to follow him all the days of your life? Yes. Well, then it is my privilege, and I'm so thankful that I get to baptize you, my sister, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Isn't that awesome, dude? I love like stories like that, getting to see an actual student live out what we think God's calling all of us to live out. It's a super, super cool story. Well, that's one end of the spectrum. Yes. The other end of the spectrum is a story that I heard sort of through the grapevine sure. that I need to verify. Okay. There's a guy that approached you not so happy about this whole topic of souls. Yes. Catch me up. Yes, it needs a little bit of context. <laughs> and the reason he wasn't happy is when it got down to it, he just felt like we as his church, he's actually been a 12 center for 20 years, wow. needed to help him get to a place where he could lead someone to Jesus. And he said, Dan, I, I've brought people to church. God has moved mightily through mm -hmm. that but I've never had the privilege of leading someone to Jesus and I so desire that. He said, I'm, I'm around business people every day and what I do who don't know Jesus, they're never gonna step foot into our church, at least not yet. And he doesn't even I, know how to share his he, faith. He says, I don't even know how to share my faith. I'm, mm -hmm. I'm there at lunch with them, but I don't even know where to start. And so I said, man, I can help with that. And so yeah. we sat down over some breakfasts here over the last six, eight months and we talked about, Steve, how do you share your story? And God radically rescued his marriage. Uh -huh. And so I said, Steve, it starts there. And we talked about how does he share his story and how does he try to figure out maybe where uh, some of the guys he works with are, are getting caught up in, in life and in mm -hmm. career and all that and begin to insert the story of Jesus into that. that. back to Jesus? Yeah. And so Steve's in the middle of that right now. He's got one guy he's going through uh, one of Pastor Kevin's book, Home Run With, uh -huh. and another awesome. one, they're just in, in the story. He's praying with them as he's navigating some stuff with family. He goes, mm. I've literally sat at tables now at restaurants offering to pray for people, thinking they're gonna think I'm weird, and they were so floored and, and grateful for it. So we're still on the that. journey, and, and Steve hasn't had a chance to lead anyone to the Lord yet, but I'm convinced it's gonna happen, and I can't wait for that day. Absolutely, man, absolutely. And so 12 Stone, that is why we have to double down on what it means to teach people how to share their faith. So Dan, thanks for being here, man. Yeah, that's, oh, that's cool. That's just so cool. Love it, love that's it, love so it. Cool. That, uh, so let me get this right. Somebody was angry that we didn't teach him how to share Christ with the people in his life. <laughs> yes, there's been people angry at me for many things over the years, <laughs> never for saying, you've not taught me how to share my faith. So I'll take that yeah. all day. And that's, and that's why we, we want to train up a congregation. And, and uh, Kevin and I have actually been piloting uh, with 30, 40 people a training uh, that kind of walks people down a roadmap uh, for sharing uh, faith with their neighbors and friends and coworkers, and it's kind of uh, yes, thank you very much, and it, and it's kind of uh, from uh, you matter to me to you matter to God to God matters to you, and that's yeah. kind of a roadmap that we're going to be building into the life of the church. And Miles, as you and I were going through that, we kind of concluded as we were, we were dialoguing together that that we can put that. The, the gold of that, the best of that, into to a 90-minute equipping training experience. If you want a sense of vision, then we could just say the vision is over the next two years, by the end of 2021, everyone at 12 Stone goes through that 90-minute equipping training, and we go practice with what Steve's learning to do and what God created the church to do, to be the light. Yeah, yeah and if, if we're making that claim, yes, we can celebrate that. If, if we're making that claim... Yeah, Central's Let's just all over that. It. Come on, yeah, They're church. Clappy today, I like it. If we're making that claim, then things have to change. You can't, right. you can't say, right. we're gonna do something that big and then just keep doing everything we're doing and add to it. And so we've got to take a fresh look at what has to change to give space. And, and we, it's, it's bigger than yeah, just how to share your faith. Right? Yeah. yeah, but it's bigger than just how to share your faith. It's where does re-engage go? And where does uh, teaching people a biblical worldview go? Where does teaching parents how to lead their kids spiritually? Where do we put those things? They can't just fit into the in calendar that we have currently. So we're exploring what it would look like for us to make Sunday evenings our sort of 
discipleship training spot where if you want to be trained up in any of these things or a yeah. list of these things, that is where it could live. And that would be for us doubling down as a church saying that is a priority for us as a church to pour into our people that way. And we're going we're gonna to go look at that over the next two to four to six months. But as you see that unfold, it'll make sense to you and say, it'd be a ha. This is what it means for us to shift to the next and the new that God is forming in us in terms of vision. And that, that's transforming souls. But let's bring it back. that We're transformed. All this is because of Jesus. It's because of who Jesus is and what he's done for us. You know, last week at, at, at Easter, we celebrated, uh, again, nearly 500 people having their first communion. And we said, man, we're going to come back this week and we're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper together. Just one of the greatest things we get to do together as a church is worship him. Give him the honor and the praise that is due him all because of Jesus. So we're going to turn the service over to the campus pastors and, and they're going to lead you in a great expression of sacred worship through the Lord's Supper. And right here, uh, Jason, would you help us? Uh, church, Central Campus, this is a, a, just a powerful moment for us. Uh, Jason, help us walk through and into this experience. Yeah, so we're going to take about eight or ten minutes, and we're going to receive communion together. But I want to I explain what we're doing. See, what is communion about? Communion is first about remembering Remember what Jesus did for us. So you look back 2,000 years ago what Jesus did on the cross. We remember that. You look back seven days and you remember what Jesus did in rescuing hundreds of people that said yes to him. You look back in your own story and you remember where Jesus rescued. See, communion is a sacrament that you take once you've said yes to Jesus. And so if you're a follower of Jesus in this room, you are welcome to receive communion to any of the stations all around the room, above the tunnels, here on the floor, here up front. But the next thing that communion's about is it's about being rooted in family. See, I don't think it was happenstance that Jesus gave us something of a, of a little dinner to have together as a church family. So you, you remember in this moment that you are rooted to something bigger than yourself. So we get to gather sort of at the family dinner table and remember what Jesus did for us. But let me read Jesus' own words in Matthew 26 at the first communion. While they were eating, Jesus took bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and gave it to his disciples saying, take and eat, this is my body. Then he took the cup, gave thanks, and offered it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. See, what you'll do is you'll come down front, and you will take a, pre a piece of bread. And as you pick that bread up, you're remembering that is like Jesus' body. And it was broken for you. And as you dip it in the juice, you're dipping it in that. And that represents and reminds us of the blood that was poured out that gave you forgiveness. See, we stand at this table and receive communion remembering that Jesus can save you and forgive you from your past. And that's a beautiful thing to remember. And because of Jesus, we're going to worship together. So across the room, let's stand. You don't have to be in a rush. There's a couple songs we're going to sing. You can stand, you can sit, you can kneel. And as you're ready, you can begin to make your way to one of these tables, receive communion, remember, and be rooted to the spiritual family here. So worship well.
and all for his glory because of Jesus. Amen, church, because of Jesus. As you're seated across the campuses, just whisper to him how much you love him. Just tell him how much you love him, how grateful you are to him for the life he's given you. He's the light, and you've become the light. So how does God transform souls? How does God transform communities? Just over 30 years ago, God stirred in Marcia, my wife and I, to plan a church and to come from Michigan down to Gwinnett County. There, he said there are people living in darkness as there are everywhere. And so in the place of darkness, come bring the light. When we started, we didn't, uh, we didn't know anybody in the community. We just went door to door. Started a small group. It was a little light. <laughs> Over the next six years, got to our first property, our first building, and the light began to expand, began to grow, it began to build. God was bringing people from darkness to light. He took us to the Edwards property, and God continued to expand the kingdom, and people were coming into the light. And 18 years into the church, God did something unique. He said, I want you to be one church, but now in many locations. And so God took us to Hamilton Mill. In fact, listen, right now at Hamilton Mill only, on the count of three, I want everyone at Hamilton Mill to blow it up with gratitude, applause, and thanks to Jesus. The rest of us are going to hold our applause right now. You ready? Hamilton Mill, one, two, three, give it up because you are watching God take people who are in darkness and bring them to light. But God wasn't done. Then God took us to Flowery Branch. And all of you at Flowery Branch, on the count of three, you're going to give it up with applause and gratitude to Jesus. One, two, three. Absolutely, because God's bringing people to light at Flowery Branch. But God wasn't done. He took us to Sugarloaf. I want all of you at Sugarloaf on the count of three to give it up. One, two, three. Yeah, you're celebrated, Sugarloaf, because God is bringing people from darkness to light. But God wasn't done. You remember on our 25th anniversary, God gave us the five campus vision. And then we launched in temporary facilities and one by one began to open new doors. So in Snellville, we brought Snellville and Grayson together. God gave us the best buy. And hey, hey, I want everybody at Snellville to give it up. And I count three, one, two, three, yay, Jesus. And you're applauding over there while the rest of us are just pinned up and saying, yay, God. Because God wasn't done. God opened a door at Brazelton. We opened up that new building and everybody at Brazelton on the count of three, one, two, three, you're celebrating, yay God. We get to see people go from darkness to light, but God wasn't done. You remember the strange way things didn't work and then did work at Buford and Buford opened last fall and so on the count of three, one, two, three, everybody at Buford celebrating, yay God, how people are going from darkness to light. All that accomplished during the great and awesome vision. And we have one more church to put the building up. Everybody at Bethlehem, God's doing great things on the count of three at Bethlehem. One, two, three. Celebrate, yay, God, doing awesome things. You're next. We're going to open those doors. We're going to talk about it. And now, right now, here at Central and across all the campuses, don't we all just want to celebrate one church in eight locations online. Yay, God, bringing people from darkness to light. Woo! What we get to do, all because of Jesus. He's the light, and then we get to be the light. So I want you to pray with me. Oh God, oh God, what you let us be a part of for the sake of your kingdom is utterly amazing. Heaven will tell the story. This is the greatest thing on earth and for all of eternity. And then you've whispered to us again, you're not done. Aren't you grateful, church? There's more to be done. You're giving us our next and our new. You're stirring things in us. You're calling us. Oh, God, I pray that the strength and the power and the weight of what it means to be one church in many locations, but then go to this next and new would land on us. I pray every one of us would absorb this, this call in our lives that we are the light. And just as you came in the world not to be served, but to serve, we would join you in this. So move deeply among us. In Jesus' name, and everyone agreed, saying, 
Amen. Hey, we got to keep talking, so I'm going to grab my notes here. Sit with the buds. Back to it. Everybody say, okay. Hey, Jason. Hey, Miles. They didn't, that wasn't really powerful. You didn't feel that. Hey, Jason. Hey, Miles. Okay, there we go. Let's, let's, get, back, let, let, let's get back at it. This is really cool stuff that God allows us to do together. Uh, obviously, transforming souls. Beautiful, powerful. But now, what do we mean by transform communities? And there's really three specific things, three things we're going to go after in this transforming communities, things that we believe God's calling us to as part of our next and new. So I'll just give them to you, and then we'll, we'll, we'll unpack them together. Uh, one is campuses. Now, I've already illustrated that, but we're, we're going to have a little conversation about, about what it means to expand campuses. The second seems just like it, but it's slightly different, and that is planting churches. And so we're going to unpack that together a, a little bit. A, a campus is, is a part of the 12-stone church, and it moves into another territory where there's darkness and we bring light. But a, a church plant, that's wholly different. It's an independent church all its own, and, and there's, a, there's a call of God on us for that. And then the, the third piece of this transforming communities is going to be in the area of food insecurity. Man, I'm telling you, just very practically, the love of God to help people in the most practical, physical need areas. And where we're going to jump into that, that'll make some sense. So, so let's, walk, let's walk through these a little bit. This, this transforming communities through adding campuses. Now, now there's, there's a couple things we got to do right off the bat. I've, I've already referenced it, but everybody at Bethlehem is about to get excited because they are the, the final campus of the five campus launch, and they're going to get their building next. God's given us uh, the setup for the contract of the property, and the next thing we're going to go after is to put up the building. Listen, let, me, let me stop right here. We don't care about buildings, right? We, honestly, stay with me, church. We don't care about buildings. They're tools. They're what everybody tools Tools. but we need them because here's what we've seen every time you open a door people who had never come to a rental facility come to a new door that gets open and people move from darkness to light can we all celebrate what we're about to go do at Bethlehem campus absolutely and Bethlehem I know you're fired up I know you've been serving and God's doing great stuff but while that's happening it's because there are Nick's and Amanda's let's not be confused you remember the story Nick and Amanda, put it back on the screen. You remember this from, from, from Easter? Let's, let's not depersonalize this. Let's not get lost in buildings and, and, and the investment that goes with that financially. Let's, we're lost in the lives of people. And when a Nick and Amanda come to faith in Jesus, and we celebrate that in the kingdom, what we're saying is there's a whole bunch more Nick and Amandas in the Bethlehem area who need to come to Jesus. Yep. And we're fired up about that. But that's, that's not the end. See, in Brazelton, you, you talked about Brazelton. In Brazelton, uh, we got some more work to do. We actually, when, when we built Brazelton, we, we designed a two-phase unique to that campus. Uh, phase one could be a little bit smaller than we thought it would be many years, and then we'd open up a phase two. But uh, Jason, you, you, you've talked with um, Dan about this. We've been in conversation. Pick up a little bit on the Brazelton thing. How's that going? <laughs> uh, you can't picture Brazelton unless you've been there when there's, it seats 400 people, Okay. Easter at 11 o'clock, they had 750 like adults. This is their sanctuary. Keep going through those pictures, guys. Next one, they've got overflow in their green room where their band hangs out between services. That was pretty cool. Keep going. That's in their children's check-in area. And then in their main lobby, uh, there's another several hundred people out there. You can't fathom how many people are trying to get into the doors of, of Brazelton and we need phase two stat. And if you're in the Brazilian building right now. Yeah, you're going. Yes. Woo! They're looking at And that's not just Easter. That's been, that's been going yes. on. So 12, so we, we got to put up phase two. Again, we're not into buildings, but they, it was already designed. Uh, we're just going to get at it faster. Here's a picture of it because we'd already had it designed. So we're going to go after that. It's going to be cool. going to be awesome. Why? Because that's a beautiful picture. No, because that's opening doors to more Nick and Amanda's to come to faith and more people like Steve to learn how to share their faith. Can we give it up? Celebrate what God's about to do at Brazelton further and further. Yay, Jesus. But, 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 I need, you, I, I need everyone to hear this. We think, we think that that's the last time that we open up a campus from scratch and build a building from scratch. Keep listening. Because something fresh and new is happening across our country. 
and we're paying attention to it. We're not done expanding campuses. We think after Bethlehem and Brazelton builds, we are done starting from scratch because there's something on the horizon to expand campuses. Uh, Jason, we've talked about this. Just your, your own back. Talk, talk about what's happening in churches across the U.S. right now. Yeah, I, I, my dad's a pastor, and yep. so I grew up in many churches, usually sort of smaller churches, and, and every church has a lifespan, and the reality is there's a season coming up over the next five years that the ages of senior pastors and the lifespans of churches are getting to a place where there's currently every year about 1,500 churches that close close their doors, they're done, it's over every single year, and what if God would invite us as 12 Stone to come alongside, we don't have all the answers, but, but God has sort of given us a life right now in this season that what if we could come alongside these churches that are in that sort of uh, downward spiral and say, we wanna partner with you and give you a legacy longer than what's about to happen here, and we could go partner with them. Yeah, so, so yeah, yeah, you, yeah, that's like, yay God, what a smart thing to do. Just what is, it's a, it's a new thing. It's, it's starting to happen. It's on the early edges of that in the country. But next generation, kind of the boomer. I'm right at the end, really end of boomer, beginning of Generation X. And, and as those churches that once had a bright light, that light dims a little bit, they don't know how to bring it to the next generation. They don't have residency, and they don't have next generation leaders. And yet they have a facility, and they have a handful of people, and they, they have a legacy, but they don't know how to get to the next generation. We think, this is the wrong word, but I'll use it. We think that, that, that we're watching what would be like an acquiring. Like they would come and say, look, Will you acquire us, and can you make it a 12-stone campus, and can you bring the life of leadership and impact in another territory in the southeast? We think our next 10 campuses are going to be like that. And listen, say with me, those of you who get it, the investment, we'll, we'll, we'll be able to do five or 10 of those for what we could do one or two from scratch. That is just kingdom smart. And we think the next 10 campuses are going to be like that. So, church, one more time, can't you get excited about the next 10,000 people coming to faith in Jesus through expanding campus? That's just good stuff. Now, that's all part of transforming communities. And I said there'd be three elements underneath this that God stirred us. One is, one is campuses. That's one piece. But uh, similar to it, but unique, is church planting. Uh, Miles, you're, you're giving leadership to this. Would you talk a little bit about church planning? Yeah, yeah, I'm really excited about uh, what we're gonna be doing in church planning. Uh, listen, guys, church planning is at the heart of what, if it, what it means to be a because of Jesus church. Because yeah. we believe the church is the hope of the world and everyone in it, right? Because the church is the, the keeper of the gospel and the keeper of the mission to make disciples across the nations. And so we're excited about this. And, and listen, we believe that, the, that Jesus' vision is much larger than any one church, right? It's much larger yeah. than any one yeah. church. No, no church can do all that. And listen, no matter how much impact 12 Stone has, there are places we're never gonna go, and there are people that we're never gonna reach. And so church planning, uh, we're, we're excited about it. We're doubling down on it. Yeah. Uh, part of what this means is that we're gonna become a training center for a new generation of church planners. We envision pouring into godly uh, uh, men and women, uh, maybe some who are even in this room and some who are at the church on our staff uh, and sending them out, training them, pouring them up and sending them out to go plant churches. Kind of like what we've been doing the last 17 years in our residency program. You know, we've had this program raising up pastors and sending them out uh, for the next generation. You realize we've sent out 250, uh, just under 250 next generation pastors across the whole country. Isn't that unbelievable? Yeah, that's fantastic. It's amazing. That is so powerful. One of the best things we do. Right. And we believe uh, that God's going to do the same type of thing with church planners. And so we're going to be raising up. We envision a network of churches that we've planted that are like-minded in philosophy and like-minded in church planning. We're going to kind of build our uh, church planning family tree of churches and churches that plant churches down the road and all lifting up the name of Jesus, transforming communities along the way. Yeah, and we're a church plant anyway. It was, it was 30 years ago, but, and we've been helping with church plants in a variety of ways. We've directly plant, planted a number of churches. There's so much we get to do, we don't even get to talk about. It's so wonderfully powerful, but, but, but we're gonna do more than just, this isn't just on our own. We're gonna partner with, with groups like ARC, and, and, and we're gonna help bring in next generation church planters, and we're partnering with some even now. I, I, wanna, I wanna give an example. Uh, there's a church in Dover, 
Delaware, right? And, and Kenneth Wagner is the church planter there. And he's a friend of ours. We've been mentoring him and helping him. And, and, and God's doing cool stuff. I mean, they, they are three years old as a church plant. And they're reaching over 2,000 people a weekend, having had hundreds of people come to Christ. Are you kidding me? In three years? I mean, that blows my mind. We were like 18 years old when that happened. And, and while that's going on, they've had their first opportunity to get property and first facility. Listen, let me tell you something. 12 stones of planted church, another church of 1,500 people believed in sending us and pouring into us. Then on top of that, when we bought our first land over on Collins Hill, it was $110,000. It might as well have been a billion. We didn't have anything. And, and you know what? Churches across the U.S. sent money in. $75,000 came from other churches and lay people to buy that land back in the day. Say, hang on. Here's, hang on, hang on. Before you get excited, right? Here's what we're going to do. This, this church plant in Delaware, we're going to send them and give them $100,000 as a church and pay it forward and help another church get their first property, their first bill. That's just the kind of stuff we get to do as a church in, in giving ourselves away. In fact, this whole giving ourselves away, that's what all of this is. Transforming communities. God does that with campuses. God does that with church planning. But, but there, man, the heart of God for people who are in need, that matters too. In the most practical ways. I mean, Jesus talked about when you see somebody hungry, you feed them. When you see somebody naked, you clothe them. When you do that for them, it's like doing it for Jesus. This, we don't skip over that. That's one of the three major things in transforming communities. Uh, Jason, you've been, you've been really helping carry a lot of this conversation. And, and, and would you just unpack a little bit about what that means and why that's yeah. so important in this territory? Yeah. Uh, obviously, Jesus is the name we're lifting up. And Jesus is what people really need. But it's tough to, to uh, be ready to hear about Jesus when you're hungry and you're thirsty first, right? Like the reality is, uh, as we're in conversation, we're talking with the county and the area surrounding, and there's sort of four major issues that sit inside of our community. One of them is food insecurity. And that's a term that I wasn't even familiar with yeah. before we started diving in. And many of you don't even know what that means. It means this, you don't know where your next meal is coming from. Wow. Yeah. We're sitting in our campuses right now and there are close to 100,000 kids that are on free and reduced lunch in school, and summer's coming. Think, think about the practical reality of this. Those 100,000 kids have five guaranteed meals a day because of free and reduced lunch, and when they go home, this breaks our heart. When they go home, they lost their meals, and they don't know where the next... And, and as we started talking, we just said, we're not okay with that. We don't think Jesus is okay with that. And so we have to figure out how to help solve this. And so we are going to be strategically partnering with our community partners and food banks all around the territory. See, they've come, they've come to us and they say, here's what happens every summer. The school's let out and we get flooded and we can't keep up and, and our shelves are empty because all these families need food. 12 stone, will you help us? And we said, listen, we know our people. Yeah. I know, we know 12 stone people and you are the most generous giving church. All you need to know is where's the problem, right? Point me in the direction and we're pointing you in the direction. A couple things are gonna happen and we're starting this next week. Yep. So buckle up. Two things, yeah. Yeah, let's get we on it. celebrate that. Yeah, let's get on it. So two things. The first one, next Saturday, we're doing like a community serve day all over our territory. Jump online, 12stone.com slash vision. There's about 500 spots for all of our campuses. Jump on and go serve in our community. We want the community to know we love you and Jesus loves you. Let's start there. Yeah. Next Sunday, now this is for everybody. You don't have to sign up, just do it. We're doing a, a, a church-wide food drive. Bring non-perishable food items to the church, and we want to help serve, and we want to fill up all the food pantries across our territory yes, so do. that when summer lets out, those kids on free and reduced lunch, they will be fed throughout the summer, and they will know that Jesus cares for them. And so next Sunday, bring food with you and leave it. We're going to fill up the lobbies and it's going to be piled up all over the place. It's going to be a blast. Are you kidding me, church? Can you not get fired up about just helping people in the name of Jesus? And by the way, this, you know, this stuff, it isn't just something to do. It's really personal for me. Uh, some of you know my story. Grew up poor. And I remember. <clears throat> Sorry. I remember when we didn't have any food and these people drove up and they're from the church 
And I remember putting groceries on our table. And I ran to the table. I started unpacking. found my favorite cereal. I'm like, oh, my goodness, who does this? The people of Jesus, the people of light, they do this. We're going to go do that. We're going to solve this kind of stuff. Amen, church? Amen. We can go do this. We can go do this. I know that's our heart. Well, that God transforms souls. He transforms communities. And we want to turn the service over. We got to be done. We got to move on. We turn the service over to the campus pastors. We're going to wrap this day up. But I hope with a sense of gratitude and a deep sense of calling. Campus pastors, would you lead us? And right here, let me just take us to the end. Uh, thanks, Miles. Thanks, Jason. Aren't you grateful for great leadership uh, on our staff? And so, right here in the room, I want you to check out a video. This video is just a reminder of the power of serving. And as you watch this video, it reminds you that Jesus is the light, but now we're the light. So Jesus came not to be served, but to serve, and that's what we do. Now listen, during this video, the ushers are, are moving right now. They're just getting ready to receive the offering. Listen, listen, listen. We say this every week, a couple of, two things we always say. First of all, we say, this is, this is not a donation, it's an act of worship. For me, that's true. Everything I have comes from God. He's the giver of every good thing. This isn't like, oh, I'm going to throw a little donation and tip God. No, I'm not. First fruits are his, because he's the giver, he owns it all. That's the first thing we say, that's just true as a follower of Christ. Second thing is, hey, come on, if you're a guest, if you're spiritually unresolved, just don't give. I mean, just, oh, gee, there they go. The church is about the money. Jesus wants my money. God wants my money. Listen, if God wanted your money, he would just take it. Just, he's, he's not the taker, he's the giver. So just relax on that. Just get, get over that. Don't put anything in. Many of us give online. Easiest, best way to give. Some of us use the offering envelopes. That's fine. But as the offering is received, I want you to experience the power of a story of a dad who takes seriously what it means to be the light and apply that to the life of his son. They're at the Snellville campus, but they go over and serve in setup at, at, at the Bethlehem campus. Check this out while the offering's received. stone for the kids. We had tried a couple of other churches in the area and we were invited to 12 stone by a couple of co-workers and decided, okay, well, the kids need a place to connect. Uh, PK had delivered a message about pioneering five campuses. And I remember thinking about the different opportunities that were, um, that were presented and thinking, okay, well, set up, tear down is, is a hard serve. You're, you're taking everything that um, the church is made up of and you're physically setting it up in the morning. I chose that because I felt like people wouldn't serve that way. There was an ask from the Bethlehem campus over the summer. You know, they just wanted fresh wind in the sails and they knew that there were plenty of people at Snow that had helped with um, set up and tear down. <laughs> My son, Robbie, got started serving when we would go to the 11 o'clock service uh, at Snellville. He would ask questions, you know, like, hey, I see your name badge. I see, um, you know, I see you serving here at Snellville, but how come you have to leave so early in the morning? Why do we go uh, by ourselves at 11 o'clock? I just asked him, do you want to come? And I fully expected that he'd be like, no. <laughs> uh, miraculously, he said yes. of it is that he had fun. He said, I had a good time spending time with you, Dad. Seeing God move in him has turned that first experience from just spending time with me and coffee to actually spending time with the group. At first, I thought, I'm tired. I don't want to do this for a while. But once I actually met a ton of people, I started to enjoy it. They have the best personalities I've ever seen. 
the people that uh, that volunteer for that kind of serve, the people that volunteer to come in, you know, week in and week out and set up the physical church. They've got a servant's heart, you know. I mean, they're, they're going and they're making holy ground for people to come uh, to meet Jesus face to face. There's 85,000 people that live in Barrow County and 80,000 of them don't have a church home. God has called 12 Stone into that territory for a reason, and that's the reason. Serving has changed my relationship with God, it's changed my relationship with my family, it's changed my relationship with people that go to the church. I mean, it's shaped and molded my perspective, Jesus and what he poured out to do. So to me, I, I can't imagine a life without serving. Welcome to 12 Stone. We're so excited you're here. Go ahead and stand up as we get ready to worship together today. We give God our yes this morning. We say that yes, we will praise him no matter what circumstance we're in because he is faithful. So come on, listen. I would count on 